Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to give you a reading. You just tell me what you want a reading about. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and read the question. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with the word enlightenment. I got clean and sober fairly young, but still felt dissatisfied with my inner life. I've done lots of counseling and group work, but have yet to find fulfillment in my relationships, jobs, and hobbies, although I've been given ample opportunities. I pursued spiritual teachers who advocate for any person's ability to reach enlightenment or be able to see the truth without following any circumscribed methods or beliefs, like Ajashanti and Gangaji. I have even had a couple of experiences where my ego seems to drop way back and have felt a huge relief and acceptance with life. I also had a traumatic response at a retreat once. What are your opinions about meditation for the purpose of seeing the truth? How does one find satisfaction with life? It seems meaningless, and yet I keep operating like a Stepford wife on my conditioning and wondering if there is anything I could be doing to realize a truer version of reality and self. Mm. I love your question. Okay, before we even get into it, you were born March 12th, 1964, 3.35 a.m. in Missoula, Montana. I always wanted to go there. So, and you just read the question, so I just want to check in and be like, okay, does that still feel like the question? Definitely, I would like to know if there's anything in my chart that is helping me towards a goal of enlightenment. And, you know, if is that why things haven't really panned out in other areas mm-hmm. of my life? So to your question, I have a question per usual. What is enlightenment and why do you want it? So I guess that's two questions. Well, because... I pursued it for maybe like really heavily for four years and did have some experiences. They were my pretty much my only experiences with altered states. And I was totally sober. And when I had the most powerful experience, it was just like this huge weight came off my shoulders. And it's as though my ego moved back to the back of the room and I was alive and I felt like I was a kid again. And it was life was just moving through me and I had so much compassion for myself and I just Mm. want that. And is that what you are identifying as enlightenment? Yeah. It seems as though you can get used to that feeling like mine was new to me, but that you can live with a truer sense of uh, yourself that doesn't involve all the conditioning or the heavy reliance on the mind or the ego. My understanding of what you've described is that most people who are not monks or, you know, people who are like living completely spiritual lives don't experience that outside of retreats and, you know, specific things that you do where you literally shut out the world and you only focus on the spirit. I am personally unaware of anyone who lives like that 247 And also pays bills and has a job and has friends and family and a cat or whatever. Like, I don't know. Do you know people who live in that particular state that you've described that are not full time, 100 percent of the time living on an ashram or something like that? 
Well, the teacher that I respect the most is um, actually from the Bay Area, and his name is Aja Shanti. And I actually think he he does live like in that state. Mm. So he and lives he's in that rare. Mm-hmm. So he lives in that state, and he also runs a business, pays his rent or his mortgage. He does all those things, and he's in that state. Question mark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. I think that's so. awesome. That's uh-huh. awesome. So, do you know many people other than that man? No, it's rare. And I know I'm setting my sights high. <laughs> you are. Uh, well, but I do listen to a podcast that talks about ordinary people reaching something along that line, not maybe perfection or anything like that, but more living in that. And they've he's done 600 interviews. Mm-hmm. So I think there are. I think it's possible. I want to okay. believe it's possible. So this is where, and I hate to have Capricorn on Pisces violence here because you've got a stellium <laughs> in Pisces. You have so much. But I don't know how if I've very often seen so much Pisces in a birth chart. Sun, Mercury, Mars, Chiron, Moon, all in Pisces. So, you know, you called a real realist here, right? You know, I'm Sun, Moon, Rising, Capricorn. So I'll give you that preface, right? I am not trying to suggest that it is not possible, but there's like a couple things that come up for me within your question. One around enlightenment in general. The idea of enlightenment is held differently in different spiritual and religious and cultural, you know, groups. And I don't know, you know, it sounds like you you vibe with Eastern uh, spirituality. I, I am not educated in whatever it is that you you referenced a few things that I'm not educated about at all. But I will say that the concept of enlightenment is very purist. It's very like, it is very puritanical. It is achieving a thing. And once you've achieved that thing, you feel bliss, you feel wonderful. And then within that, there is freedom. And that is a very Piscean concept, right? This idea of evading all of the weight of the material condition of being a human and getting to be in alignment with all that is ideal, all that your spirit is, but it's hard to achieve in the material form of being a human. Does that sound right or wrong or somewhere in between? Yeah, it's I definitely have a tendency to want to escape. <laughs> yeah, a little. Sure. Yeah. And and that kind of brings me to the other thing that comes up, which is you mentioned that you got sober. Part of what I wonder may be happening is that, you know, whatever substances you use, you're like, OK, well, that's fucking up my life. I'm going to pass on that. Thank you very much. But now you've looked for this other thing, which you described this moment of enlightenment, like a lot of people would describe a drug trip. It was like it took you out of this world. It felt really good. You weren't concerned with all the things that weigh you down in day to day life. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. it did feel like that. And the teacher even commented on it. Mm -hmm. Your capacity, because of how much Pisces you have in your birth chart, you don't just have so much Pisces. Oh my God. So much Pisces. You don't just have so much Pisces. You also have Neptune in your birth chart forming a beautiful trine to Chiron, Mars, Mercury, and the sun. So the ruling planet of Pisces is just like blowing kisses and blowing bubbles to all of your Pisces planets. So the desire that you have to experience transcendence is profound. It is profound. And I don't want to take that from you. And I don't want to like burst any bubbles and be like, it's not possible. But I do want to say, God damn, this meat suit 
you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but goddamn, this me too. Like, it's not just about the body. It's about the, the time we find ourselves in. Uh, we're both in the U.S. We're living in this very capitalistic, industrialized society. There are so many things that are so burdensome around being in a body in this world and managing it. And if the standard that you're setting for yourself is enlightenment in the way you described it, not having access to neutrality and peace, that's not what you're describing as enlightenment. What you're describing as enlightenment is basically like being on a gorgeous high and being kind of like a starburst. You set such a high, I wouldn't even say goal, but such a high bar for what counts as an enlightened, spiritually aligned, happy life that it sets you up for quite a crash which is, again, a Piscean specialty of just being splattered by the fucking realities of life. Yeah. Within your question, you know, you named, like, you've had opportunities to find happiness with work and you named a couple other things. That's not where it's come from. And I'm not shocked because for you, your ideals are really important to you. And having, like, a job that matches your ideals would be really, really, really hard because the mundane stuff really takes you out of these feelings that you're calling enlightenment and that I may be calling a bit of a high. But I don't think you're wrong that it's enlightenment, but I think there's different embodiments of enlightenment. So I want to ask you a question. It's going to seem like I'm taking a turn, but it, I'm not. Have you ever been in love? Yeah. Okay. And are you currently partnered? Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Sort of. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> uh, ish, of. ish, ish. Okay, take it back. Um, <laughs> so, so many people think being in love is like that Disney princess moment where like you kiss and you kick up your foot and it's again, sparkle, sparkle, starburst, starburst, right? But the yeah. reality of being in love over the course of time is not about kicking up your foot after the perfect kiss. It's about loving someone when they don't, you know, do the dishes and when they got a terrible haircut and it's bugging you or whatever, right? Like love is actually, there's the magical parts of love, but then in order to sustain love, it's actually this really mundane day-to-day thing. And is that part hard for you too with love? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Again, these are very Piscean problems that you're having. What I want to kind of like ground into about this is that from my perspective, love or enlightenment, we can talk about both these topics. Yes, it is those magic moments, but being able to sustain those feelings means spending a good amount of time in peace, ease, flexibility, neutrality, which is also all very Piscean stuff. And that's where you get fucked up. You got a Pisces, Uranus conjunction and Virgo, like many people born in the 60s. This conjunction gives you this profound, intense drive for spiritual expansion, evolution, transformation. Your generation is such a unique one in that way because it's in Virgo, which is like very analytic and it's looking for perfection. And it's like trying to figure it out, trying to try on the right thing that will make you feel the right way. But it's explosive and it's unpredictable because it's fucking Pluto and Uranus. And Pluto sits opposite your Chiron and your Mars. And that 
gives you a very complicated relationship to ambition, anger, sexuality, classic Mars stuff. So when you're dealing with people who annoy you, it's so uncomfortable for you. You know me, I get annoyed, bada bing, bada boom, eh, I'm annoyed, I keep on moving. But for you, it is like, it's like a, a pierce to your heart. Am I seeing that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. I think that's why I have a hard time sustaining friendships and relationships. You're very comfortable with things being at this high level, that very Neptunian Piscean level where it's not messy. But the second it gets messy, the second you get angry or annoyed or they get angry or annoyed, it feels to you like a colossal failure. It goes straight into your flight or fight mechanism, Pluto. And then Uranus is like, okay, cool. I'll burn it to the ground. I'll burn it to the ground because if it's not going to work, I'm trapped. And if I'm going to be trapped, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough. It is a very difficult conjunction. Here's the other thing that really fucks your shit up over here. You have a moon-Saturn conjunction. Saturn's in, in Aquarius and you're having your second Saturn return right now. You have Saturn in Aquarius conjunct your moon in Pisces at almost one degree. And it is an out of sign conjunction, which simply means we consider the influences of both signs. It's not a weaker conjunction. Now, this moon Saturn conjunction, its description is kind of the opposite of everything we've been talking about. It's, I want people to prove their love through acts of service in the material world. I will have to prove myself by showing up, by asking questions, by doing things. It's like in total contrast to everything else we've been talking about, because everything else is if it happens on the spiritual, we can have a soul connection and that just works. But that Saturn is like, fuck soul connections. I want proof. Give me proof. If I don't have proof, then how am I supposed to do anything? And so that Pisces moon can wilt under the boot of Saturn. All of this to say, it makes sense that you would seek a perfect answer, a perfect system to find you in the perfect seat where you do not have to be pressed upon by all of the bullshit of life. Part of the reason why I chose your question is because you're very much a grown-up. You know, you're having your second Saturn return. And I think that you have lived enough life to know what doesn't, doesn't work, what has and hasn't worked for you. To that end, what I really see in your birth chart is that there is a foundational struggle with being here, period. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And being here in a body. So it's being here, period. It's being here in a meat suit. That lack of foundational acceptance of the assignment, you know, for whatever reason, our ridiculous souls were like, I know, I'll come into this human form and I'll live this tortured X amount of years existence. I'll do what needs to be done, I guess. So here we are. We're, this is this is the assignment. And there is a, a meaningful part of you that that knows this. You get this, but you just it's too hard to accept because of a lot of reasons. But core amongst it is the purest in you wants to feel, it's not exactly about feeling good all the time. It's about feeling interconnected. Yeah. Belonging. Belonging. Yeah. The zodiac sign of Pisces is all about this like core spiritual concept that 
there was no separation between any of us, that we all belong to each other, that we are all cousins and that we are all, our wellness is intertwined, you know, which is a concept I deeply, deeply believe in. And also the material condition of being a human means that my hand, you know, wiggling my five fingers at you is completely separate from yours. And it's separate from the wall of the room that I'm in. And that is a reality that exists at the same time as the spiritual reality that all of this is an illusion. Our separation is illusion and that we are interconnected. What I want to suggest is that in your drive to find happiness and peace through enlightenment, it's like you're looking up when you walk down the street and you're not seeing what's around you. So you're missing out on being present with what is because you're looking for what could be. And from my very admittedly Capricorn perspective, the way to achieve enlightenment with what could be is by being present with what is. It's not by seeking what's above. It's about accessing what's within. So all of this said, what comes up for you? Well, I guess what's up for me is that I have been so uncomfortable in my own skin in the here and now until actually I would say, you know, recently, like I'm so glad this is my second Saturn return because my first one was just, I was hospitalized. You know, I was, I've really struggled. So I guess, uh, I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but that I feel really brave and strong and I'm going to sit with my feelings and I do tons of the things that you suggest. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I bought the book with Pluto problems and did the flower remedies. And I mean, I really try and I'm just going like, where's the progress? Mm. What am I doing this for? I mean, I'm an emergency room social worker, so I'm in the thick with really suffering people. And it doesn't feel good. And I guess I wonder, isn't my path supposed to feel better than this? Okay. Is it supposed to suck this much? That's a great, okay. So there's there's a lot of great questions to that. And of course, you've asked the worst possible person, is life supposed to feel good? To a triple Capricorn. To me, life is misery. <laughs> it's a job that must be done. But also, I can do better than that. But also, there is an element of the human condition that is suffering. I do believe that, you know, some people might say that that's not right, but riddle me this. How do you explain to me that Pluto, Neptune, Uranus and Saturn are in everyone's birth chart? Let's throw in Mars even. How do you, how can we expect that life isn't suffering if we have the planets that articulate the unique ways in which we suffer in our birth chart, right? So part of life is suffering. Somebody will say it's suffering. So fuck it. It's suffering. So what's the fucking point? Why bother? What I say is, if it's suffering, how can we ease it? And some of that is through our choices. Some of that is through our attitudes. And it's very difficult. The most important thing that I want to say, first and foremost, though, is that you can do everything perfectly. All the essences, all the books, all the classes, you can meditate, you can see the blue light, whatever, and still suffer. The real question is, how do you hold the suffering? Do you attach to the suffering? So cling to the suffering. Do you 
attach a narrative to the suffering that creates a self-fulfilling prophecy that is like, I am suffering because something is inherently wrong with me or in wrong with life instead of I am suffering. How will I care for myself through this suffering? And, you know, I just made that sound kind of nice, but it's a pain in the ass. Life is a pain in the ass. And, <laughs> you know, you and I have very different jobs, but we both have jobs that prove to us every single day how much suffering there is and how very few, if any of us, get out of this life without suffering, right? And so one thing I want to just check in with is, do you want to stay in your job? Because it sounds like it is, I mean, listen, first of all, I'm not surprised that's what you do because again, so much Pisces, of course, you're going to want to put yourself in a, <laughs> you're going to want to put yourself in a position where you have, where you can be of service, right? And and you can do mm -hmm. work that so many people wouldn't want to do, but have you considered shifting within your industry? Yes. And I am finally doing that. It took a really long time to feel like I was functional enough in my own life to be able to be a therapist to other people. And so now I'm trying to make a transition to that. Great. Okay, good. Do you have a sense of how long that'll take? How many years? I have one more class that I have to take oh. in order to qualify for licensure. And then I got to do three years of therapy, giving people therapy with a supervisor before I can Great. go into private practice. Great. And you probably already have connections since you work in a hospital. You can probably transition within a hospital if you want to, eh? That's the plan right now. Yeah. I love that. Okay, good. So let me tell you a couple things about that. The first one is the joys of the second Saturn return. I mean, there's so many perils, obviously. We're not going to be Pollyannas here. But the joy of the second Saturn return is you get to figure out, oh, wait, 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 this is who I am. And then do something about it. So I want to just say congratulations. You know, you you were in your second Saturn return. You're in it as we speak. And making this kind of massive life pivot is what you're meant to do. Is it meant to feel easy? No. Nobody feels good during their Saturn return. Even the most enlightened people do not feel good during their Saturn return. Uh, and, you know, maybe they go through it gracefully, spiritually speaking, but don't beat yourself up for, for that. Now, the other thing I want to say is that next month, February of 2023, Neptune is going to be completely done with your stellium in Pisces. I personally am not a fan of Neptune conjunctions. <laughs> Neptune transits can be very difficult. And you have had Neptune sitting on top of your Pisces planets for years. And so especially the last few years during the pandemic, it has been awful. And I would imagine that it's been stressful to your mental health, if not also your physical health, because of so many things, but including having this much Pisces in your chart means that you're like a loofah sponge. Other people walk through the world and they're like, tra-la-la-la-la. And they're like, oh, suffering of others. Yeah, life is hard. And you are like soaking it up. And you're just such a, you know, a, a good sponge that you can suck up more than most people. So much. I'm so sorry. What Neptune conjunction to Mercury and the sun, which is what you're just coming out of, has done is it's made you more of a sponge during a time when human suffering globally has just... I mean, you know what's been going on with the pandemic. And so the fact that you've been able to like pull your shit together and like find a new path during this period is very impressive. You frame things like, you know, I haven't been able to figure this out. I've tried and I haven't been able to figure this out. But that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you have figured it out and it sucks to do it, but you're actually doing it. Am I right about that or am I, mis am I misunderstanding? 
No, I, I, I'm a pro at suffering. So the pandemic wasn't <laughs> that big of a deal to me. Damn. I live alone anyway. You know, I don't have a huge bunch of people that I, um, I was super happy to have the close knit people I had around me, but it didn't affect me that much. I mean, it, I saw what it was doing to other people and that really bothered me, but I'd been doing that in an emergency room for years. A long time. That, so how was your mental, emotional, spiritual health in this period? Well, I was bad. It was bad. Um, probably nine months ago, I think it started being quite bad. And mm -hmm. I actually um, did do some um, psychedelic therapy, just microdosing for my mental health. Did it and work for you? My physical health. Yes. Great. Yeah. Great. It is. I think that's what it is. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, I went through a relationship breakup about a year ago. Uh, we decided to take a year off and that really brought stuff up to the forefront of being alone and why am I failing so much and mm -hmm. will it even be a good transition to be a therapist? Will it just be more suffering and why mm. can't I have a little bit more fun in my life and my job and mm. my relationship? Okay. So there's lots of layers, lots of layers, lots of layers. Okay. Let me ground into this. So first thing I will say is, and I could be wrong, so I don't want to like try to convince you of anything, but the struggle with your mental, emotional, and spiritual health that you've been going through, I do think is connected to the pandemic um, because you're such a sponge. Like I do think if I was to give you any spiritual homework, it would not be meditation. Not that I'm against you meditating in any way, but it would be boundary work. Because it is so hard for somebody with this much Pisces um, in their chart. And again, I can't remember ever seeing somebody with this much Pisces in their chart. So you have a, a remarkable amount of Pisces in your chart. I just I know I've said this before, but it cannot be said enough. It is hard to know what's yours and what's not yours because you're just feeling all the time. And it's different than being like a cancer where you're having all these emotions. It's more that it's just like being washed over all the time by gentle waves. It's not crashes all the time. That's more cancerian. This is, you're just a wash in all kinds of emotions and perceptions all the time. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I want to just kind of like acknowledge that. And then I want to say, there's the topic of love in your relationship. So we're just going to leave it right here and come back to it if it feels right. But then I want to say with your work, I mean, nobody... Nobody has fun doing the job you do. I mean, maybe it has meaning, maybe it has value, but it's not, it doesn't sound like a fun job. A lot of people like can make jokes and stuff like that uh, a lot better than I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes you sense. Mm -hmm. Or are you a person who's like jokey and, and like spontaneous in that particular way in general? No, no, not, not at all. No, <laughs> no. Unless so, I know people and then I'm, you know, kind of just more goofy. Or... You're a goof. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. You're like a goofball. So let me tell you how I can see that. First of all, Capricorn rising, Capricorn rising, Scorpio midheaven. So when you're around people at work, you're private because work is work. And even if you want a work wife or a bestie at work, you're very private. And you know that a work interpersonal drama can screw up your work life. So you're like strategic because yes, a million planets in Pisces, but also Saturn conjunct the moon, Capricorn rising, right? Now, the other thing is that Saturn moon conjunction doesn't make you fun in a, in a like, in a way that is a conventional, I would say. You've got a good sarcastic sense of humor. You are really good at observations. For you, 
there is like a heaviness to your heart. And that just happens when we have Saturn moon square conjunction opposition. It's just what happens. That takes from spontaneity and fun and levity unless you feel really safe. And how would you feel really safe at work? You know, some people, they have their nature where they're like the higher stakes it is, the more jokey they get, the more like that's how they cope. That's not how you cope. And that's not bad or good, but it is an indication that this is not a good job for long term for you, the one you're in. So how many years have you been in it? Eight. Okay. That's a very long time. Past the Saturn cycle. So you're wise to be getting out. You've got this Mars-Mercury-Sun conjunction. And that's goofball city. It's just goofball city. It's just like, it's a silly, fun kind of playfulness. And for you, you are much more of a one-on-one person than a group person is what your chart says, right? And therefore, uh, yeah, you get real goofy with the people you feel safe with and that you feel levity and, and love with. And with everyone else, you're like, how are you going to be a liability to me? What do I have to do to manage this situation? You're hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. And so becoming a therapist, is that lighter than what you're doing? It might be. It might be similarly hard, but it's not an emergency all the time. And that's good for you. Part of what's going to be important is that you figure out ways to take care of yourself around that. Doing light kind of stupid things that don't have any negative consequences to them as a way to kind of like give yourself a reminder that's not so deep, but a reminder that you do want to have a little more fun. Because it's very easy to forget that when you're sitting in people's trauma all day long. Now, hold on. Let me just slow down and ground ground in. Hold on for a moment. Can I have you say your full name out loud? Sean. You're missing a last name. Is that a married last name? No, that's my original name. Um, What's your mom's maiden? My mom's maiden name is... Much better. Thank you. Is she still with us? No. She's passed. I'm sorry. Did she have depression? No. Not that she would acknowledge. Um, We both tackled the um, alcoholism in our families. We were both the first ones to be sober. Mm. congratulations did she, she get sober she with you she did it she, did, she it first. did it first it took me four treatment centers mm. but my dad got sober too wow congratulations that's huge mm. and are you in program no i would yeah. say no yeah but you have your spiritual tools and i yeah? was for years like yeah really into it I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. There's lots of problems with AA, but it is like a chef's kiss perfection articulation of Pluto. Pluto governs trauma, but also the thing that can happen with AA is it's like free sharing and healing of trauma together. And in this way that is so perfectly Plutonian, that's why I think it works for so many people for so long. I'm not suggesting you go back to AA. I was just asking. But I will say, There's the part of sobriety that is about dealing with addiction. And then there's the part about spirituality, which is about finding peace or enlightenment. But in between those two things is accepting that you're here. And that's just the part you haven't yet done. Still? I I thought when I got sober last time, it was like, okay, you're staying on the planet. We decided that. Okay, so let's 
eliminate all the things that make you want to get off of the planet. Okay. So I thought I made a decision. Okay. Okay. That is actually not exactly what I'm talking about. So what you're describing is accepting the assignment. What I'm talking about is being like, huh, my soul chose this body and this life at this time. How can I achieve some of that sparkle that you that you seek? It's not about detaching from your ego. It's embracing your ego, not so that you become an ego monster, but so that you embrace your human condition, which is, I feel like almost like a a mean thing to say to a Pisces, somebody with so much Pisces in their (laughs) chart, because it's like not what you want to hear. But let's talk about Chiron for a second here. The placement that you have of Chiron in Pisces sitting right on top of your Mars, it articulates how scary and hard it is for you to stay in your body. So again, it's about staying in your ego, staying in your physicality. And within that, finding a way to love yourself in the ways in which you are wounded, in the ways in which you don't want to be here, in the ways in which you're failing and succeeding and everything in betweening. It's like this massive pain point for you, which is part of why, you know, whether it's alcohol or it's like seeking the blue light or in like, I call it the blue light, that like enlightenment, like magic vibe you described. Mm -hmm. It's why those things are so appealing to you because they're not here, not now. They're everywhere, you know, and they're always, they're not here now. Here now is heavy in this way that, you're way too intimate with, but not in a way that is, you haven't found the way to really like choose you within it. I don't mean this as a criticism of like, you haven't figured it out. I mean it as you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to really love, accept, and choose someone or something. Yeah? Do you? Mm, Not really. Okay. Okay. So there it is. So that's the place that's the place to to I won't say start because you're not starting. You're you're very waist deep in a thing. But like that's a good place to go. Um, do you have animals? Uh, not anymore. And is there? Do you have a good reason? Is there like a reason why you don't? No, I, my last cat just died, and I didn't like know where I was going to live and that sort of thing. But I had her for 19 years, okay. and I did love her. Yeah. Okay. So you do know what it is to love and choose. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I knew you had to have it in you. Okay. So with her, you know what it felt like to love her unconditional, whether she was annoying, high maintenance, inconvenient, furry everywhere or not. Correct? True. Yeah. Okay. That's the feeling. That's the feeling I'm talking about. It is very hard to love yourself like we love our animal friends because our animal friends are not responsible for anything that is terrible in the world or in ourselves, right? And yet, I would say having the capacity to experience that kind of unconditional yet boundaried, because probably when your cat tried to like eat the food out of your mouth or jump on your counter, did you have boundaries with your cat? Actually, now I'm realizing so much Pisces. Did you have boundaries with your Mm, cat? I'm kind of boundaried. Okay, good. Stuff like that. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, good. So having this kind of unconditional love is not about not having boundaries. It's not about everything being perfect all the time. It's about having acceptance about the problems, which you did with your cat. I personally 
and this is annoying of me, so I apologize in advance, but I personally would say being able to achieve that kind of love for yourself, not 100% of the time, 100% of the days, but having that be the goal is what I would consider more enlightenment than what you described at the start of our conversation. I think part of that is accepting the ways in which you don't want that. You don't want to work on it. You don't want to, it's, it's, might be too difficult. It might be, you want something more spectacular than what I'm describing. What I'm describing is kind of mundane. Um, Well, and I've been trying, that's what I'm like, oh my gosh, like if this really worked, wouldn't it have worked by now? Cause I went to my first meeting when I was 15 years old. Mm. I've heard this stuff. I've read these books. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what what I'm saying. I don't think you're doing things wrong. I think it's a journey. I don't think anyone, I mean, I hear what you're saying that you're like, I've heard a podcast where like, I've heard 600 people have achieved it. And I'm sure that they have. And also there's billions of people on the planet. And for most of us, certainly me included, it's the work we do throughout all of our days. It's not the work we do till we get it. And I think the idea that you work on self-love until you love yourself and it's over is a lie for the vast majority of humans. Because even if one achieves that, like I worked really hard on myself. I went to the meetings, I read the books, I took the webinar, you know, and then I achieved it. Well, then something would happen. You know, your body would get older. You'd, you know, your car would explode. Like something would happen and then you have to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is life. And so like from my astrologer's perspective, we have transits until the literal moment of our death. We never stop having transits. And what this says to me is that we are not meant to arrive and sit in this beautiful seat of having arrived. We are meant to constantly be on this journey while we're in this body, while we're in this life. And the the point for different people is going to be different. Is it finding meaning? Is it finding love? Is it finding acceptance? Is it, you know, it could be different things. But I do think that at core, accepting the work is a part of it. Accepting that this is a part of it. And again, you've got a Saturn moon conjunction. You've got a Capricorn rising. So even if someone told you to stop working on yourself, you wouldn't. Like, you just wouldn't. The thing that's so hard about having a clustered chart like you do, which is to say just so much Pisces, all, you know, it's all sitting there, is that the majority of you is of one mind. It's very hard to change that one mind because so many different parts of you are in agreement. I should just feel light and interconnected. And what was the word? You didn't use the word interconnected. What was the word you used? The belong. The the belonging. Yes. I want to feel a sense of belonging. So now let's talk about your North Node. In your birth chart, your North Node is in Cancer, and it sits on top of your descendant, which means you've come here in this life on a spiritual level to learn how to love on yourself, to receive love and nurturance, and to give love and nurturance, and to do that in intimate one-on-one relationships because what your soul is more comfortable with doing, what it's done in the past very successfully is take care of everything and everyone. Take care of everything and everyone and focus on figuring out who the fuck you are so that you can continue to do the work that you feel called to do. Whereas in this lifetime, you're meant to have more faith in your connection to self, 
and to use that as a foundation to open up to letting people actually know you. And so this is less about belonging in like a community sense. Like this is not like a get close to three people or like seven people or 20 people. This is a let one person know you and make sure that that person is trustworthy with your heart. I mean, that is only like the hardest thing in the world to do. But that is the assignment in this lifetime for you from my perspective astrologically. It is very much about allowing in love and nurturance and a sense of home with someone. So yeah, that means we got to talk about this person. Is it is it a he? Yeah. Okay. Um, how long have you been with him or were you with him? Yeah, like six years Okay. with this last year off. Okay. Are you back on yet? Yeah. Okay. And how's it going? Well, I'm considering having um, openness in my relationship because I'm afraid to put all my eggs in one basket. Mm. So you mean going non-monogamous? Is that what you're talking about by openness? Yeah. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. And is it because you want to hook up with other people? Well, because I have that idealistic side to me mm-hmm. and I'm hearing what you're saying, which I did not know about my chart at all, because okay. I always thought my seventh house was empty. I have a longing for something deeper than this person and I have now, but I am still really attracted to him and I like him. So it's hard for me to let go of him. Mm. And does he want to be with you? He says he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you say his name out loud for me? Yeah. So he goes by a different name than his real name is. Give me his both real of them. Name... Okay. Quite a name. Okay. Yeah. And then what's the other name? Yeah, he does want to be with you. Do neither of you want to live together? Are you kind of like in agreement about not living together? We're in a power struggle. Mm. You know, we both need to live together because of finances. But um, neither one of us want to give up our own house Mm. and join the other person's house. Yep. Yep. This is the problem with adult relationships. It's like really hard to let go of what you've built for yourself. So there's a lot of reasons for neither of you to want to leave your apartments and join the other one. They're really good reasons, too. So I'm not touching that part with a 10-foot pole, okay? Well, maybe that's a lie. Maybe I'll touch it in a minute, but let's not start there. He's... Is he spiritual? Kind of. Not like you at all, like, right? Nope. No, not like you at <laughs> like all. Like he doesn't believe in astrology. I'm yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, you know, yes, that that's the least of it is what it looks like. It, it's just your capacity to explore spiritually and your, your need to have spiritual community is completely separate from him. Like he just, I see he doesn't vibe with it at all. And that works for you. Because then you can go into your spiritual communities and be that part of yourself. And when you come home, you can be like, work was tragedy. I am pissed off. I feel annoyed. And you don't have to like hold it up to this perfect <laughs> ideal You're self. Right. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is good for you. Okay. That is good for you. When I look at him, he feels solid. This is what I, and, and I might be missing something, but when I look at this, I feel like it is not sparkly. The sparkly time has come and gone. But welcome to, you know, more than three years long of a relationship. Very few relationships maintain sparkle. Is there joy between the two of you? Yeah, there is. But it's a quiet joy. 
he's like a self-sufficient adult, right? He like, you don't need to financially take care of him, question mark? Yeah, I think that's true. We we both are behind our peers in who we hang out with and stuff in terms of retirement. We mm. have not done that good of planning. I mean, late stage capitalism is a bitch. Let me just oh. say that it's, it's it's so hard. But it's he doesn't expect you to take care of him financially. Is that correct? No, not at all. Okay, right. good. Because I do see that he has like a self-reliance about him. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure that I was seeing that correctly. But it looks like he has a self-reliance about him, as you do. You're restless with him. And some of this is just because you're yourself with him and you're restless with yourself. When you're with him, you feel all your regular feelings. When you're alone, you can ignore your feelings. You can disassociate from your feelings. You can come home from work and be super annoyed and then be alone in the house and just kind of like, yeah, I'm annoyed, but I'm like, you know, moving, I'm moving around things in a cabinet or I'm, you know, I'm like making the bed and you're not focused on being annoyed. But when he's there, it's impossible to ignore what your mood is because you have to engage with a human person who knows you. So you could say to someone else, I'm having a little bit of a rough day, but he knows you're having a terrible day. Like this guy gets you. Am I seeing this correctly? I think so. I mean, we really just started back up, which thank you, by the way, for teaching me how to set a boundary and stick to it and trust myself because I put a year on it and I stuck with it. I said, if you still want me after a year, (laughs) you could come and ask. And he did. It was really hard. Yep. Good for he you. tried to whittle me down, but no, Good for I you. stuck with it because I know I have trouble with boundaries because I'm a Pisces. Yes, and it's I true. listen to your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I was Good like, I got to love and learn to love and trust myself before I can feel like I deserve all these things in life that I want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you would open up this relationship because it looks really nice. I see the power struggles. I see the two of you have a lot of stupid power struggles. Well, I feel like we both have childhood trauma that gets triggered. And I feel like, of course, I'm dealing with mine or I'm aware of mine or I can at least acknowledge it or talk about it. And he doesn't want to. He he compartmentalizes. Yeah, it's true. And he's this. Okay, let me just I'll be totally frank. This is what I like about him for you. He's there. Okay. Emotionally, he's there. He's there. He really is there. If you need to be a baby one day, he will nurture you. If you need to be like the boss who's in charge of everything and you're telling him what to do, he will listen to you. He might not do what you say, but he'll listen to you. He sees you. He gets you. He loves you. I like that about him, like a lot. <laughs> and I think I think you really like him in a lot of ways. There are things about him that you're not as crazy about, but Isn't that just inevitable? Again, I don't have an idealistic view of the quote unquote perfect partnership because the perfect partnership isn't where you're perfect and they're perfect. The perfect partnership is where your childhood trauma and their childhood trauma doesn't make it worse on each other. It's not that it doesn't come up. It's that you're not reenacting his trauma and he's not reenacting your trauma. That's a perfect relationship in my book, right? So when I look at the two of you, there are some ways that you are rigid with each other. It's not you rigid. It's not he rigid. It's you're both rigid that reenacts childhood trauma because that's where you have overlapping issues. 
But other than that, it looks like there's, of course, I'm sure there's exceptional moments, but overall, respect, care, and safety here. And passion. Am I right about those those markers? The safety one is the one that I feel um, nervous about because I'm super tenderhearted. And yes. I you know, I'm very afraid of anger. So okay. Someone whose go-to is anger is extremely scary to me. Yeah. And hard. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And mine's so do... depression and sadness, you know, so. Yes. And is he triggered by depression and sadness? Maybe okay. a little, yeah. And when he goes to anger, how does he express his anger? He drives crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, he has pushed me and, um, when I put back, when we got back together or decided to date again, I put that as a deal breaker that he is never allowed to push me or touch me in anger. Excellent. And he's agreed. Great. And I actually think, yeah, he might do it. It's just that he's just critical, you know, he's critical of other people. He's not Mm. politically correct. Mm. (laughs) I see. I see. I see. I have a couple questions. Question one. Did he push you once or did he push you as a pattern? Twice. Twice. That was okay. And and then you were like, okay, I'm out. No, I didn't leave at that time. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm a big fan of three strikes and you're out. So I'm really glad that Mm -hmm. he has one more infraction and he's done. Okay, (laughs) good. Good. That that makes me very happy. And he says fucked up things. He's aggressive. See, I don't like that for you. It's true. And I wasn't seeing that. I mean, listen, Pluto opposite Mars, which you have in your birth chart, it definitely articulates a fear of anger, a really intense fear of your own anger as well as other people's anger. I think that driving crazy out of anger is abusive. I think it is an incredibly dangerous and manipulative thing that doesn't mean that he's trying to be manipulative. It still is manipulative. So I might encourage you to come up with a a strategy, like if he's going to be in a bad mood, he has to pull over and either let you out of the car or let you drive. But those have got to be like going forward rules, because I think if there's an option to work on this with him, then you need to make sure your safety is check. Like your your like physical safety is check, right? Because then you can work on your emotional safety and figure out how much of this is like, he's brusque and it hurts my feelings or it feels aggressive versus he's actually aggressing on me because it's hard to sort through that. I think sometimes in a long-term relationship, it's hard to sort through that for any zodiac sign. Um, But certainly for you, it can be hard to sort through that. Does that that feel right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so- I forgot about the driving thing when I was writing out my- Your list? Yeah, you added to the list because again- it's a form of violence. I mean, somebody somebody driving on purpose to freak you out is just, it's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. You know, I mean, when you say he's not politically correct and you say all these things, I'm like, ah, fuck this guy. But then when I look at him, there's a part of him that feels like home for you, mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. your whole thing. It's what you want. Does he want to be sleeping with other people or is this your idea? No. It's just me. your idea. It's a very Piscean strategy. I will tell you, just for whatever it's worth, very on brand for Pisces. It's, okay, I won't be trapped, so I'll love all the people and we'll just open the door. But all you're doing is you're not fixing the problems that exist between the two of you and you're opening the door to new problems. So I don't think that's your move. I think the move is instead, hold on. I see. Okay. Okay. 
it's that list. I'm just seeing you. You wrote a list. You you mentioned a list, and I'm seeing it now. So this list mm-hmm. that you wrote. Can you schedule like an alarm on your phone for once every two weeks or every four weeks, whichever feels better, to check in with the most important things to you around safety and belonging and love and care? And to just once every two to four weeks, write it down in a journal or whatever. You can write, you know, your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences, or you could just go on a scale from one to 10, 10 being fucking amazing. One being pretty terrible. Where's it landing? Just so you can start doing a better job of tracking the material part of your lived experience. What happens for you is you get so overwhelmed by the different metrics that that are important to you that it becomes hard to evaluate like, is this good for me? Is this terrible for me? Like, I can't tell. And I think that also happens in a long-term relationship. And I want to come back to that North Node of yours because the North Node conjunct the seventh house cusp is about letting people know you. And it is very difficult with this placement to actually let people know you. You haven't done a bad job of letting him know you. And I really like that. I've for tried. You. Yeah, I yeah. see that. You really have. And when you've done that, it's always gone well with him. That's true. Which is such a huge green light for me. I mean, you say politically not correct, and I get very worried what that means. And I am inclined to be like, let's <laughs> expel him from the garden. But I can't say that to you because when push comes to shove, when you really show up as yourself, he's like a snuggly bear about it. Yeah. 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 And that's actually I mean, what he's a pushy, want. snuggly bear. Right. I mean, he's a bear. He's not a teddy bear, but he's an actual bear, right? I mean, he's a grumbly, big, slightly, you know, maybe dangerous bear. But I don't know. He just he, 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 he's he, nurturing, kind of. He's he is, humor. and he. Um, I'm really best friends with his ex-wife, and so we both have a yeah. I, wow. Without her, I probably would have never made it this far. Wow! But because we can, she can help me see some of his qualities, and she's super intuitive, and so I've been able to understand what she's talking about better. If the way the two of you work through conflict and agitation together can be improved, and you know, you'll work on it over the course of the next year, I think that the, there's something really worth exploring here because he is nurturing. You are yourself. And those two things are a really big deal for you. Okay. Okay. So I want to just like slow down. We've touched on a lot of things. And let me see. Do you have any questions? Well, I just, I I wondered if I had, you know, I told you about, it's called uh, Buddha at the Gas Pump is that podcast that I listened to that a lot of the people are awakening. And if I looked at all of their charts, would there be something similar in it that either alludes to success at enlightenment or just an interest in enlightenment. Or let me throw in more options. It could also be people who are really good at talking about their experiences. You know, I once had somebody ask the question, why is it that all the witchy girls have really cute apartments? And I said in response, (laughs) not all witchy girls have cute apartments. It's all witchy girls who post photos of their apartments (laughs) online that have really cute apartments. It's the same thing. It's like some people are for sure having that experience. And some people are really good at talking about their experience. And some people 
are really authentic and some people are delusional. There's all kinds of people. And, yeah. you know, in truth, we are all those people just at different times. Right. And mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything in your chart that says you are not capable of enlightenment. But I do think there are things in your chart that say that you want enlightenment to be like a drug trip where it's like, take me away, Calgon. There's no reality happening. Did you ever see that TED Talk called Stroke of Insight? I think that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. One of the most amazing it. things. And some of what it, I've been thinking about that in our talk, because some of what you're describing reminds me of how she described her stroke. Mm -hmm. Like half I of her brain too. was completely offline. She was only functioning out of one part of herself. But that was a stroke. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was a stroke. <laughs> so it's not what we want for you. You know, it's not what we want for you. Uh -huh. I think for you, if you can achieve that in moments, glorious. But then on the day to day, what do you need is really the question, right? Bear with me. I want to tell you when your Saturn return is totally over. Um, oh, thank you. March 7th of 2023. So. Are you going to be feeling light and easy and ex and sparkly before March 7th of 2023? No. Terrible goal to feel that Piscean gorgeousness during Saturn's return, right? And then mm -hmm. Saturn's going to sit on top of your moon really quickly after your Saturn return. And so it's all about dealing with consequences and reality, right? Mm -hmm. Which is mm -hmm. why you manifested getting a reading with me, a Capricorn. Capricorn's Capricorn. So what's really important is having faith and connection with the stuff, enlightenment that like I keep on pointing up because that's what it is. It's like out of the body, out of reality, right? But working on the mundane and not having one cancel out the other. Just because you're stuck in mundane life for a chunk of time doesn't mean you don't have access to this enlightenment you're referring to. But being able to be in that all the time it's not super realistic for most people, especially during their Saturn return. I'm willing to bet that all 600 of those people, maybe <laughs> one tops, was going through a hard Saturn transit when they were experiencing what, they've, what they're describing. And I think that, again, it's just like there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything, even for like banging your head against a wall, which is the Saturn return a little bit. But you're, you're on the right path, even though it sometimes feels very differently than you want it to feel. You're still on the right path. So, right. well, I do love your Capricorn energy because <laughs> I totally have it too. And I don't like the lovey-dovey bullshit stuff. I want to hear the facts. You know, yeah, so and we'll go to the reality. Good. That's right. That's yeah, right. I like reality. We're, we're fans of it even when we don't love it. It's yeah. both. It's both. It's the year of the paradox, right? So it's like, right. it's and also, it's and also. And, uh -huh. and you know, within that, I, I really do wish you well with all the parts and be gentle with yourself in, you know, these last months of your Saturn return. Cause it's, you know, you know, it's a big deal. And to be grateful. It's not the first one. Cause yes. that was hard. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the second Saturn return is the closure of that cycle that you began during mm -hmm. your first. And so whatever you're going through now is related to the themes of your first. So if in the first Saturn return, you were hospitalized and in the second Saturn return, you're just a little bit having a hard time. You need to take time to see that as a massive win. And it's not a win like in a lottery. It's a reflection of a lifetime of work. And if right. you don't take stock of that, then you're doing Saturn dirty. You know, you got to own your work, even when right. it's hard. It's your work. You've, you've done it and it's important to own it, you know, so that you can. Yeah feel the benefits, not just the pains in your ass. 
thank you so much. And thank you for every single podcast. I have gotten so much out of that, that I have really changed the way I looked at life in thank numerous you. ways. So oh, that's very you. sweet. Just a great dream come true. Free Black Therapy is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing remote mental health services with Black mental health professionals for Black and African-American individuals, and it's absolutely free. Visit freeblacktherapy.org to find a therapist or donate today. Let's get astrological. This week, we are looking at the astrology from January 22nd through the 28th of 2023. I'm already used to saying 2023, like it's already, it's it's in the noodle. So hopefully you're also, I don't know, feeling, feeling like you're really in 2023 so far. I want to talk to you a little bit about the new year for a hot minute before we get into the details of this week's astrology. Now, you've probably already heard my 2023 year ahead podcast episode. If you haven't, I definitely recommend that you listen to it. But here's the thing. The retrogrades are over. The retrogrades are over. Mercury retrograde was over on the 18th. Mars retrograde over on the 12th of January. But the retro shades persist. And the retro shades, they last February 7th for the Mercury retro shade and March 15th for the Mars retro shade. So what is the retro shade? The retro shade is when whatever planet it is moves back through the zodiacal degrees that it was in during the retrograde. So we're like retracing our steps in a way. And that means we're still engaged in the process of the retrograde. Often what this looks like is having to deal with the things that you did or didn't do that you said or didn't say during the retrograde. So we're still dealing with that. However, the rules of the retrograde do not apply here. So, you know, for the Mercury retrograde, go ahead and sign contracts, you know, buy shit, sell shit, whatever. And in regards to, you know, Mars, go ahead and forge your plans, do things. It, it all works out of the retrograde. But in the retro shade, you're still dealing with the, you know, the consequences of how you did or didn't deal with the retrograde. So you can see that we are starting off, you know, through early February with Mercury and through mid-March with Mars, having to still be in a state of reflection as we're engaging with the retro shade. And then what happens is that Saturn moves into Pisces in March of 2023. So just as the retro shade from Mars comes to a close, Saturn moves into Pisces. And whenever we go through transitions like that, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal for you as an individual. It's a big deal interpersonally. And it's a big deal in the world. It's something we want to pay attention to. Now, I'm not going to go in depth into what it means or what to expect here. Again, you can listen to my year ahead forecast for that breakdown. And you know I'm going to talk about it more, uh, you know, a little closer to the date. But what I want to focus on in this moment is that we are at the kind of precipice of change. And Saturn is the one outer planet that we can prepare for. You know, people are always like, oh, I'm about to go through a Pluto transit. I'm about to go through a Neptune transit. What can I do to prepare? And the truth is, most of the planets don't really want us to do much to prepare other than, you know, live as authentically as we can, be as healthy as we can be. Saturn, on the other hand, loves preparation. 
Saturn wants us to do all that we can to be grounded in the here and now in respect to the past. So having learned from the past and enveloping our plans for the future. But it really wants us to be present as we respect the past and prepare for the future. And so we can prepare for Saturn transitions. And a way to do that is to look at your birth chart and to see where early degrees, so the first, you know, few degrees of Pisces falls in your birth chart. What you got to do is figure out where Saturn is going to hit your birth chart, because whatever house it stimulates, it activates, is the part of your life that's going to be activated by Saturn and Pisces. If it conjuncts a point or a planet, you want to know about that because you can prepare because it's Saturn. But I don't want to take you out of the present moment too much, right? Like trying to like figure out a future that is just unknowable. I want to instead ground you into we are in the late Uh, the late days of Saturn and Aquarius. And there is a great deal that you can do to learn about yourself and about what's been happening for you over the last two and a half years during Saturn and Aquarius. Now, of course, if you've been going through a Saturn return or some sort of major Saturn transits, this is especially important for you. But it's important for all of us. It's always a big deal when Saturn moves through a zodiac sign, because again, it only happens once every 29 years. And there's only so many 29 year cycles that humans live through, right? So here's my advice. As we are at the start of the the new year, and dealing with these retro shades, what you have the opportunity to do is to consciously reflect on what's been going on the last two and a half years. And in particular, you know, you might want to pay attention to where Saturn has fallen in your birth chart. You know, do you have Aquarius in your fifth and sixth house or, you know, your, I don't know, 10th and 11th house or whatever. And I say two houses because when you're not using whole sign houses, uh, a lot of times we're going to have a zodiac sign span through multiple houses, sometimes one house, sometimes three houses. It depends. So pay attention to that and know that Saturn is not yet at the anoretic degrees. It's not yet at the 28th or 29th degrees of Aquarius, but it'll get there soon. And those degrees, they're the most powerful degrees to get stimulated in a sign, in any sign, those late degrees. And so a lot of people, especially when you're first learning astrology, you get this idea of like, oh, it's almost at the end. It's practically Pisces, but it's not. It's very strongly Aquarius. And so Again, it's important to reflect on what's been going on for you, the lessons you've learned. And of course, the last two and a half years has coincided with the pandemic. So this very intense once in a lifetime thing, hopefully, hopefully it's a once in a lifetime thing that introduced social distancing, right? How Saturn and Aquarius is that uh, into our consciousness and into our daily lives. It is time to really reflect. And to understand that the themes that you've had activated in your life, especially the themes activated by Saturn, are activated for a reason. And they're part of this bigger picture of your own development. And in true Aquarius fashion, what you want to do is be curious, you know, be curious about your own path, try to reflect on what you've been going through, uh, and whether or not you feel like you have done your best. 
It's not about whether or not circumstances have met you or you've achieved things in the material world. It's whether or not you have lived by your own code of ethics. It's whether or not you have done right by you, which includes doing right by others and the world. They're not really separate, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay. So, okay. So these are just some like hot tips for you uh, to consider as we are shifting truly into this 2023 madness. There's going to be a lot of energy shifts throughout the year. And therefore, we want to really do our best to be conscientious of our own energies. We want to be conscientious of kind of where we begin and end, if that makes sense. In other words, we want to be conscientious of what we're experiencing and how we're participating so that we can do our utmost to learn the lessons of Saturn and not have to keep on learning them in new situations. Let's get into the details of this week's horoscope. So we're looking at January 22nd through the 28th of 2023. And we begin the week with a transit that I warned you about last week, which is the Venus conjunction to Saturn. And so during the new moon, which by the way, hope you had a great new moon, that it was, you know, all the things you needed, transformative, got you in your sweet spot, you know, helped you to heal, help you to move, move the needle on something that needed moving. So we know that Venus conjunction to Saturn occurred. Here's the thing about this transit, which is now exact on the 22nd at 24 degrees of Aquarius. So again, we're not at an anoretic degree yet. We're not at the end of Aquarius yet. This transit is kind of a boner killer. And it's a boner killer because Saturn is a wet blanket on Venus's drive for intimacy, closeness, um, romance, feeling beautiful, all that kind of stuff. Saturn and Venus are, they have a hard time with each other, honestly, because they both want security. They're the two planets more than any other planets in the zodiac that are concerned with security. Uh, maybe the moon could be in there, you know, but these two planets are associated with our values, Venus, and our integrity, which would be Saturn. When they are sitting on top of each other, you can often feel like a sense of overwhelm, a daunting sense of responsibility, a sense of like, where am I going? Have I gotten as far as I wanted to? So there's a way that we can take the lens of Saturn to Venus's concerns and basically be jerks to ourselves or to other people. This transit can really confront you with scarcity-based feelings and thoughts. It may even bring you a scarcity that you have to deal with, like an unexpected expense or, you know, some sort of a relationship situation that really just exhausts you. It doesn't feed you. All of this, in some ways, tests how well you have put things together for yourself, how well you have prepared for hardship or some sort of a lack. And again, this can be around your finances. This can be around your plans for life in general, your sense of belonging in relationship, your ability to show up and be your true self, even when you're feeling kind of edgy in your relationships. It also has to do with the value and importance that you place on kind of keeping up with the Joneses or the value and importance you place on how you look. Because the truth of the matter is, how we look is, of course, important. 
Come on. Of course, it's important. But it's all fleeting. It's all fleeting. If you get to live long enough, you know, your whole meat suit's going to sag. Maybe it'll wrinkle. Maybe it'll sag. Uh, it's def- You're going to look like someone you don't recognize should you have the honor to uh, live a long life, right? That's an inevitability. And so within that, what does it matter how you look, right? Like, what does it matter? And if your life requires that you look good or your self-esteem requires that you look good in a particular way that keeps up with, you know, the fashions of the day, then when transits like this occur, it really tests your sense of self. It really can and make you struggle because we tend to feel a little down. We tend to feel aware of how other people are that we are not under this influence. And so this is an opportunity to recalibrate, to seriously consider like if I'm obsessing on some body part, what does it actually matter? And the, the importance and value that I'm placing on it, is it true? Do I stand behind it? You know, and that might not change your feelings, but it can change the direction you're pointing yourself in because the things we give our energy to end up shaping our lives. And it's important that we hold things in proportion. So caring about the way you look, great, yes, but keep it in proportion with its actual value to the life you lead and the person you are, right? Now, connected to this Venus conjunction to Saturn can make a person feel lonely. It can make you feel lonely. It can make you feel uh, like you don't belong. It can make you feel like people aren't there for you. But all of these feelings are likely to not have you being there for others. So if you have one-way relationships, this is a pain in the ass kind of transit because it can put you in a constantly getting or constantly giving dynamic with someone. And again, it's not like this happens just to torture you. It happens so that you become more aware. Conjunctions are the start of a cycle, right? And so this means we have the opportunity to bring innovation, to bring newness, to bring intention to the start of a cycle. So whether it's how you spend your money or how you manage your money, how you look, uh, your relationships, whatever it is, it is really valuable to be intentional about what you're bringing to the table and the importance you're placing on whatever it is that you're fixated on or what have you. Now, because it's a Saturn transit, the things that are giving you problems, the things that are, you know, head scratchers, pains in your sweet little butt, whatever it is, those are the things that need attention, right? So we don't necessarily want to be too literal about what that means about the attention that it needs. Again, this is where you want to fall back on your values and your integrity. This is important. Conserve your energy for what matters. You don't have limitless energy. None of us does. So conserve your energy for what matters. One last thing. I did an Instagram live yesterday. Somebody asked a question that really surprised me. They asked, is it true that the Venus conjunction to Saturn is a transit that will show us who's really there for us? The answer to that is absolutely no, for sure no. But I'd never heard that before, and I'm sure it sounded like they read it somewhere. And we want to be critical thinkers. We want to be mindful about any kind of prescriptive astrology that promises you to like find your soulmate or find the perfect answer. First of all, life doesn't really work like that, right? But Second of all, if one was going to have a transit like that, it would have to be happening to your birth chart specifically, 
if you're going to get that kind of concrete information and not a global transit like I'm talking about here. The other thing is astrology is all about cycles, as are relationships, as is pretty much everything. It's all about cycles. And we tend to be very linear thinkers and we tend to, you know, want to be like, okay, this person's good for me. They're bad for me. I'm staying. I'm going. Sure. There's a level on which that's very real. But on the other hand, what's also really important for us to keep in mind is that if someone shows up for you on a particular day, that doesn't mean they're inherently going to show up for you forever. Uh, And if they don't show up for you in a particular day, it may have nothing to do with you. It may not be an indicator of the future. So what you want to be able to do is focus on the you part of the transit. Don't obsess on what everybody else is doing or not doing because you can't control that. And knowing about it through astrology in advance isn't actually going to help you. All you can focus on is what are you consenting to engage in? What are you allowing in your life? Are you actually paying attention to the signs that people are showing you about themselves? Are you asking for what you need? Are you giving too much even though you know better? Whatever. You get it, right? Like whatever. All we can do is focus on ourselves. Let other people, let situations reveal themselves to you. And when they do, listen. You know, that that's what we can do. So. The next transit I have to tell you about is a lovely transit. It is exact on the 24th, and it's a sun sextile to Jupiter. Sun sextile Jupiter is a great transit. It is a time where we may expand, uh, where we may have opportunities, whether it's just like you run into somebody and have a sweet little interaction for 15 seconds, and it just kind of like puts a little a little uh, joy in your step. It lightens your load that day. Uh, or it could be, you know, some something like a windfall that actually comes your way. But we have opportunities to feel more connection, to feel more openness, and to run with the chances that we've got. So it's not enough to have something come your way. You got to kind of do something with whatever comes your way. This transit, Sun Sextile to Jupiter, is very helpful in that regard. The cool thing about this transit is, unlike the Venus conjunction to Saturn, the path kind of opens up for us. There's less resistance. It's uniquely light as opposed to Saturn-Venus, which is uniquely heavy, right? So this transit can be really great for feeling good, feeling a sense of happiness, optimism, gregariousness. The thing I just want to kind of contextualize here is while this is a fantastic transit, we don't want to undervalue the important role that it can play in not just our material well-being, but also our spiritual, emotional, and psychological well-being. Because it's a transit to the sun, it activates our sense of self, our identity. And so, again, you know, you've heard me say many times, small progress is progress. We want to embrace and we want to celebrate all forms of progress, right? And kind of connected to that, I think that in our the busyness of life and how materialistic our lives are, it is easy to miss or to undervalue our small but meaningful wins spiritually, psychologically, and emotionally. And Those are the things that make up our overall long-term wellness. So this transit can be a time where you really uh, have some sort of like moving of the needle that may be nuanced, it may be subtle, but it's powerful. And it's powerful because it's positive, because it's an expansion. And we don't want to undervalue those things. And that brings us, my friends, to uh, 
couple more things. The first, Venus moves into Pisces on the 26th. Lovely transit, very romantic. If you're an artist, this is great. Or if you're doing spiritual work, this is a great transit. But ultimately, what's important to pay attention to is that when Venus is in Pisces, we have a tendency to idealize people and situations, put them on pedestals, and you want to keep uh, all things interpersonal, romantic, relationshipy in reality, if you can. Because that's ultimately where we have our 3D experiences, right? And so oftentimes when Venus is in Pisces, on a relationship level, we're needing to deal with boundaries. And remember, boundaries are not just a thing we say or do, it's a thing we internally experience. So having healthy boundaries with yourself around where you allow your energy to flow and go is very valuable. And if you are having partnered sex, always remember to have safer sex, especially during a Venus in Pisces season. That's just a hot tip that I hope you take to the bedroom or wherever it is you do your business. And that brings us to our final transit of this week. And this one is a retro shade moment because on the 27th, Mercury forms an exact square to Chiron. And this probably sounds familiar to you because it happened very recently on January 11th. So January 11th, Mercury was exactly square to Chiron, and it is again exactly square to Chiron. This tells us a couple things. The first thing is whatever was going on for you on and around the 11th, you want to pay attention to because it's likely to be uh, emerging again on this date. So it might not be the exact situation, but certainly the theme you want to pay attention to. The other thing is, let's put some context. Because these two transits were exact, so close to each other, that means that uh, the transit has been active this whole time. So we have been under the influence of the Mercury Chiron square. And for some of you, that will have been felt as an intense struggle around your mental health, your sense of uh, how you talk to yourself, the tone you talk to yourself in, your narratives from early developmental experiences. And for some of you, this may have been a really kind of harrowing time. And for others, it may be a time where you've made a lot of progress, where you've kind of made breakthroughs around your old stories that you tell yourself, your beliefs, your attitudes. And again, because it includes Chiron, I am referring to early developmental experiences and how they shape our psyche, right? Our sense of belonging, our sense of whether or not we, we deserve to be here. So really deep themes. This Mercury squared to Chiron, I want to encourage you to be really mindful about how you talk to yourself, to be really mindful about not just what you're thinking and where your thinking goes, but what is underneath the assumptions in your thinking, right? Some things seem inevitable. Some things seem perfectly true because they've always been true. And it doesn't mean they're inevitable. And it doesn't mean they're true. A lot of times, what happens when we're dealing with uh, chironic wounds is we have early developmental experiences that shape our sense of self and our sense of reality, our sense of what's possible. Then life progresses and it keeps on proving us right. But we have the capacity to change, right? We have the capacity to grow and to evolve, to make new choices around how we take care of ourselves, how we engage with ourselves and others, and how we engage with the world. You know, this is thank, thank all the gods for therapy and all the things, right? So 
when Mercury forms a square to Chiron, we have the opportunity to make developmental shifts, which is really powerful and really cool. And again, this is part of why I've been very excited about the new moon that just passed and very excited about the potential for getting in better alignment with ourselves between Venus conjunct Saturn and this Mercury square to Chiron. There's a lot of potential here. You know, it's a lot of potential for growth and for evolution. And I got to say, we all have time for that. Don't we all have time for that? I hope we do. I hope we do. If you find yourself embroiled in conflicts with people, you know, stand up for yourself. If you need to stand up for yourself, say what you need to say. But also pay attention to the theme, you know, and that theme is not, uh, you know, you always attract terrible people because you've got terrible luck. That's not the theme. The theme is what do you engage in? How do you engage? Uh, can you make different choices in old patterns, in old situations? And, you know, the answer may not be yes. But if it is, make an effort. Because the Mercury square to Chiron is a powerful transit and can bring about healing. Because Chiron, my friends, is the wounded healer. So, you know, we got the wounded and the healer in the, in the mix. And the potential for healing is really strong here. But again, because it's a Mercury transit, it involves your psychology. It involves your mind, your thinking, your attitudes, your beliefs, what you say, how you listen, right? Longtime listeners of the podcast will have heard me say this before, but I cannot say enough about the importance of how we listen to other people. And unfortunately, so much of our uh, public discourse about communication is about what we say and how we say it instead of how we listen to ourselves, how we listen to others. And I think it's a skill to really be conscientious about. And I personally find it to be a life-changing skill to be able to truly listen to other people empowers you with more information. It empowers you to be kinder to yourself and kinder to others. So it is really, again, powerful. Now, in regards to the world, social conditions, right? This Mercury square to Chiron is very impactful. We want to pay attention. So if you're you know, taking little breaks from the news here and there, I respect you. That, that seems healthy. Uh, but I would recommend that you pay attention uh, by the end of the week to what's going on in the world, because the only way we can participate in the world around us is if we know what the hell's happening, right? If we know where to put our energies. But ultimately know that this is likely to be an emotional transit, even though it is a Mercury transit, which is about our psyche. Uh, because it engages Chiron, it's emo. So, you know, set yourself up for success if you can by putting support in place, by being mindful, by knowing it's going to be kind of an intense moment. So, you know, take care of yourself the best ways you can. And again, keep in mind, this has been active since before the 11th. So it's not going to be brand new energies, even though it might be very heightened energies. Now, I'm going to run through these transits again, but I'm also going to remind you that if you like keeping track of the transits, uh, check out Astrology for Days. It is uh, my transit tracking tool that is just useful. You can track the transits, keep your notes, and uh, be engaged in a self-guided tour through learning astrology. Okay, so on the 22nd, we have a Venus conjunction to Saturn. On the 24th, the sun forms an exact sextile to Jupiter. On the 26th, Venus ingresses into Pisces. And on the 27th, Mercury forms a square to Chiron again, as it did on the 11th. And that's your horoscope. Thank you so much for listening. 
you know I love you and I love this fucking podcast. So I appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever platform you listen so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more with me, get my book, Astrology for Real Relationships. Join me over on Patreon, where I am very active and engaged with my beloved patrons, or get classes with me uh, on my website. You know, I just, I like to give. I'm I'm a giver. What can I say? Okay, take good care of yourself and others, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.